All right, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. It is now Wednesday, March 11th, and this is, of course, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined today by Rob Doster from NBCSports.com, and I want to start with the, I guess, the great debate that likely will not end until Sunday night, and that's Murray State. Rob, where are you on the racers? Uh, I recognize, and I think everybody recognizes, including Steve Prom, uh, they don't have enough so-called quality wins to to warrant a traditional bubble conversation. Still, um, there, there's a case to be made for them. Where do you fall on the Murray State debate? I would love to see them in the tournament. I, I think that you know that everything that has been said about them is true. That they can beat. You know, if they get a 12 or 13 seed, they can beat a four or five seed. Cameron Payne is as good as any point guard of the country. They're fun to watch. You know, they probably deserve to get into the tournament based on what they did. Um, but I don't think that they have a strong enough profile to actually get that bid. And, you know, if, if they do get in, it would mean that the selection committee basically goes against everything that they've done for whatever, however many years that they've actually been putting together these uh, these brackets. And, you know, I just don't see it happening. I don't think it's fair, um, you know, but such is life for, uh, for mid-majors. And, you know, I, I listened to your podcast on Monday, and, and you know, I think you your idea I think is brilliant. And you know, I I wouldn't even have a problem if they just added four more at large bids, and you know, two more of these playing games just to give a chance for some of these teams to that win their uh, their regular season um, conference titles. But I, I would I would want to clarify that with one thing though. I don't think that a team that let's say you know a team look at the horizon last night, right? right. So Valparaiso went what thirteen and three in the regular season, and Green Bay went twelve and four. I don't think that's enough to necessarily get you into that at-large conversation for winning a regular season title. I think if you dominate your conference like Murray State did or like Iona did, then I think you should be allowed in the conversation. But if it's a situation where you know you win the league by one game or you get the number one seed just because you won a tiebreaker, I don't think that you necessarily deserve to be in the same conversation as like Murray State is this year. That's fair. Like, yeah, if you had to be, a, you have to be an outright champion from a one bid league. And just uh, so we're clear, so everybody knows what we're talking about. On Monday, really, it started sort of Saturday night after I watched Murray State lose. I just sort of said, listen, it. I, I don't know if it's unfair because um, everybody understands what the score is. Like even. Um, Murray State fans had to know going into Saturday night that if they lost, they were really going to be up against it. And so I don't, I don't know if it's unfair in the sense that, wow, how did this happen? Everybody understands how it happened. Uh, but it's unfortunate that you can literally not lose a game in December, January, February, and then or March up until your final game of your conference tournament, and and then you know be stuck missing the NCAA tournament. That is unfortunate. And so. My idea was, hey, why don't we create a safety net for teams like that? If we can all agree that it's bananas, that you can you know, win 25 straight games, win your league outright, and then still watch somebody else from your league go to the NCAA tournament instead of you because of a 40-minute basketball game you lost in, their, in, in the other team's uh, home city, which is you know, for Belmont, Nashville, if we can all agree that's bananas, then let's try to figure out a way to fix it. And, and my thing was, take the, all the 16s, you know, the SWAT champion and so on and so forth, put them back in the main draw, like th- to start with. If you win your league's automatic bid, you're going to be in the main 64-team bracket that gets started on Thursday. You're, you're exempt from the first four. And then we turn the first four into um, four true at-large teams. So in this particular year, maybe teams like Ole Miss and 
Illinois and A&M and Indiana, whoever. BYU. B- you got to say BYU. And BYU. Whatever. However, we, we, we figure that out. We'll figure that out. Four true at-larges. And then the other four have to be, um, you know, look at it on Selection Sunday. Okay, would this league be a one-bid league under normal circumstances? The OBC. Yes. Okay. Is there a league champion that didn't get the auto bid? Yes. Murray State. Okay. Now we're going to take the best four of them. And and however you want it, you can select them if you want. You can do it strictly by RPI if you want. I don't really care. But, you know, in cases where, you know, Murray State doesn't win its league, um, Iona doesn't win its its automatic bid, um, if Stephen F. Austin doesn't win its automatic bid. North Carolina Central. North Carolina, like that. exactly. Th- that we create a safety net that that allows those teams to be in and 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 eliminates the idea that their entire four month season comes down to a to a single weekend. I, I, here's, I just here's the most important part about that is right. you create the safety net, but you don't get rid of the small conference tournaments, which are awesome. Right, you have to have like that those. stuff is great. Yeah, beyond the fact that they're great and they are great. Like I, I'll be honest with you, I don't spend a whole lot of time during the normal regular season watching. Um, you know, me at games and in you know, uh, you know SWAT games and what I just look, we all got other. My my job requires me to do other things, but man, you, you throw on that Horizon League final last night, it's terrific. You you throw on you know the OBC champion, like to me that was the game of Saturday, Murray State Belmont, and so um, you you can't be, you can't get rid of them for that. I mean, they're awesome because of that, but the high stakes element of it, but also. Um, you can't get rid of them because they they create television windows for those leagues. If you say it's our conference tournament isn't for an automatic bid, then ESPN says we're not putting you on television. At which point you lose all that stuff. So I, I know that one counter argument to all of this is, hey, if you don't like Murray State getting left out, then give your automatic bid to your league champion. You can't do that if you're that league because you got to get on TV, and the only way you're on TV is to make that worth something. And so. Um, yeah, but here's here's the perfect example. So, when with Yale and Harvard, right? Sure. That the end of that regular season was was utter insanity. So on Friday night, Yale played Harvard. They were both tied for first place. Um, the the regular season champ gets automatic bid, right? right? Yale beats Harvard, and it's on like I had to go to a bar to watch it on Nesson because I didn't get it on any channel here. There was no stream. They only have it on like the Ivy League online network, right? There was no way to watch it on national television. I don't even think it was broadcast in New Haven or, or in Boston. Right. So um, I had to go to bar to watch it on DirecTV. I don't have DirecTV. On that Saturday night, uh, Harvard had to win and had to have Yale lose for them to be tied. And they're going to have to play. And, and it ended up happening. And it was in kind of crazy fashion. Harvard won. Uh, it was halftime of the Yale game. We had to watch the second half of the Yale game. Yale was up by like five with 24 seconds left and then somehow managed to lose that lead. And it was on TV nowhere. Right. We were everybody was following it on Game Tracker. No one had any idea that was what was going on. One writer who will remain nameless right now actually tweeted out that Yale won because the game <laughs> tracker messed up right. and said that there was no time left and Yale was up 58-57, which is wrong. So no one really knew what was going on with that game. When everybody wouldn't wanted to watch it because it was, you know, the the chance for the Ivy League automatic bid. And now the uh, so they, they they ended up fast forward to next Saturday. They have to play in the there's an Ivy League playoff in the Palestra, Yale and Harvard, two of the most stored universities in in our country. You know, a, a great rivalry, automatic bid. Like if you remember when Ivy uh, when 
the Ivy League Championship about three years ago. I think it was Yale and Princeton. It was an awesome game. And we have another one of those coming up in the Palestra, which is one of the most storied, you know, basketball arenas anywhere. And it's not going to be on national television. Right. It's on ESPN three because they didn't have a time slot for it because they don't have the playoff. They didn't have the conference tournament. Everything is already full. So, you know, that's why these teams have the conference tournaments because it gives them a chance to get on TV. Everybody watched Murray state Belmont. Of course. You know, that was the game that everyone talked about. Duke North Carolina tipped as soon as Murray state Belmont ended. And, I haven't said a word about Duke, North Carolina. I haven't said a word about that game. And I've had plenty of conversations and written plenty about Murray State and Belmont and, and all that. So th- that's why they have these right. tournaments. Yeah, it's attention. Exactly. I mean, you it, for the same reasons that if ESPN tells you, hey, Northern Iowa, we want you to go play at Stephen F. Austin at 7 in the morning on a Tuesday, um, you go do it because you want the opportunity to be on TV. So uh, I get the whole idea. Like in a perfect world, you would just – Give your auto bid to your regular season champion, and then nobody would ever get screwed. But um, that's not the world we live in. You, you, you know, these these schools aren't going; these leagues aren't going to pass on the opportunity to a make money off of a conference tournament and b get on TV with a conference tournament. And the only way you can do that is to make the, those conference tournaments, uh, you know, a competition for your automatic bid. And so that that's where we're at. And so this plan I came up with, and I don't know, I don't even know, I don't want to like take credit for it. I, I'm sure somebody smart has come up with it before. You want to take credit for it, don't lie. I will take credit for it, certainly. And <laughs> so um, it, it just creates a safety net where, hey, you still have the high-stakes conference tournament that gets on television, but in the cases where a dominant league champion like Murray State gets, gets on the wrong side of it, there's a safety net for him. And then who are we really screwing here? Ultimately, you're, you're, you're going to lose four traditional at-large candidates so like Ole Miss Texas A&M Indiana Illinois like okay like I like all those coaches I'm sure their fans are great those are mediocre power conference basketball teams that's all they are and we don't know we we don't know what Murray State is like what if Murray State is excellent and just happened to lose you know a one-point game or whatever it was one possession game you know in the final minute and and that prevents them from being the term what if they're excellent we j- and we just don't know whereas we know at this point indiana's not excellent Ole miss isn't excellent a&m isn't excellent and so uh, like who really gets hurt here N- nobody except mediocre power conference schools that's that's the gist of it and so if that's all that gets hurt I- i'm fine with it i don't expect this to be implemented in time for next season or, or probably ever uh, but it just seems to make a-, a a whole lot of sense let me ask you this if i were arguing on if you were the committee chair and you put Murray State in. Forget all the reasons you can't put them in, because I understand everybody understands why you can't put them in, uh, or why you shouldn't put them in, if that if that's your opinion. If if we pop up on Sunday, Greg Gumble says, and in the first four in Dayton, Murray State Racers, and then you're the committee chair, and they throw you on television, and Greg Gumble asks you why Murray State. How would you defend it? Because they they earned it. Because when you go 16-0 and in your regular season, that's more impressive than, you know, a team that doesn't beat any top 50 opponents and, uh, and you know, fizzles out in the first round of their conference tournament. I, I, I think that what you're saying essentially is that we are putting value in your ability to dominate an entire league and a good league, too. It's not like the Ohio Valley is a mid-major, but it's a good mid-major. Sure. You know, they, they NBA players come out of that conference. Isaiah Cannon had like 31 points and seven assists, and he played at Murray State. Um, he had, I think he was playing with the Pistons. It was in the NBA the other night. Whatever. 
Uh, I think what you're saying is that the ability to dominate a conference for two consecutive months is more impressive than losing uh, in the first round of your conference tournament or whatever. I, I think what you're saying is that we are putting this much stock in what you can do in the regular season. And I think you can also say, look, man, we watch those games too. They're good. We want to see what you know they can do in the tournament. And, and you know, it's – it's also the the selection committee. They can kind of do whatever they want, right? Of course they can. Yeah. I, I mean, mean how, how many times have they made a decision where like, well, how did that happen? And they're just like, yeah, you know, we're the committee. We do right. what we want. Yeah, I, I got no issue with it. Like, you put them in. I If it's strictly a numbers game, and I'm actually working on a column on this, like, if it's strictly a numbers game, then forget it. Send them to the NIT. If that's what you want to say. It's a numbers game and they can't beat the numbers. But then what you're also saying is that their, their season, you know, their season was basically decided on December 1st. Like, it didn't really matter what they did going forward, which is what we found out, by the way. They haven't lost since they didn't lose from December 1 through March, you know, 6th or whatever it was. Um, So what you're telling me is that if you're saying it's a numbers game, what you're saying is that it didn't matter what Murray State did the entire year unless they won their last game heading into Selection Sunday, they weren't going to be able to make it. And that just seems fundamentally, like, wrong. Like, and so put them in and just say, you know what, we think, yes, they took some bad losses early, um, but they weren't the same team then. The same way Ohio State got better in football, Murray State got better in basketball, and I'm not comparing them in terms of quality. Like, nobody thinks Murray State's going to go win a national championship, but um, teams can get better in all sports. That team got better. We're not going to penalize them to the, to the greatest extreme, which is leaving them out of the NCAA tournament because of things that literally happened four months ago. Like, we're not, we're just that, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't the same team as they were four months ago. Neither is Murray State, and we're going to respect and award, uh, reward what they did in the regular season. I, I think it's a pretty easy case to make if you want to make it, and I, I think it'll be among the big stories uh, on Selection Sunday. Another one will be BYU, a team that, uh, beat Gonzaga two Saturdays ago, lost to Gonzaga last night in the WCC tournament final. Uh, similarly, on some level to Murray State, they just don't have quality wins. But you watch them and you go, that team could beat somebody in the tournament, could maybe beat two teams in the tournament. I mean, that um, when you're that good offensively, and I, I say that about BYU, also about Davidson, like when you're that good offensively, you know, and you're a former basketball player, so you tell me, but... The cliche is defense wins championships, and I guess that can be true in some cases, some places. But um, offensive teams are, uh, you know, they they can be a bitch, man. And if you shoot it the way BYU can shoot it sometimes, you know, when you got two dudes who can get going the way they got them, Davidson, same thing. When they shoot it like that, I would just, uh, rather than take a power conference mediocre team that's lost five of their last eight or whatever it is for any of those, Give me, give me Murray State. Give me BYU. Give me teams that we're not quite sure about, and and I think we make for a better tournament. Where are you at on that? Well, I I completely agree with you. I think it's more entertaining when you get teams that are just fun to watch. I mean, what fan out there is not going to be rooting for Murray State every single game that they play? Right. You know what I mean? Like what that the thing that makes the tournament great for the first two weekends, the thing that everybody loves is that you get these sleepers and you pick a team that's like a 12 seed where you've never really heard of them or, you know, you know, they got one good player and you have them going to the sweet 16 in your office pool. And then you get it right and you get to go in the office and you get to brag to everybody. See, I told you I knew what I was talking about. And, you know, that's why people love this event. And I think that if we can get more teams like that in, it's a good thing. Um, I also, 
I, I value profiles, I think, differently than other people do. I want to know who you can beat. You know, I'm not that concerned that BYU lost on the road in conference at Pepperdine. Like, whatever. You know, losing in the road in conference, it's never, it's never an easy thing to do to win in conference. I think we see this over and over and over again. Um, and, and then these teams end up getting punished for losses that they take on the road, even if it's against a team that is quote-unquote bad. I want to know who you can beat. And Gonzaga, or I'm sorry, BYU went out and won at Gonzaga, which, you know, I would say that's probably a top five win out of anybody in the country this season. Duke winning at Wisconsin and winning at Virginia are probably the top two wins of the season to me. And then I, I don't know, can you think of a win that was better than BYU going into Gonzaga and beating them? Well, maybe Duke going into Virginia. Well, yeah, Duke at Virginia and Duke at Wisconsin. Yeah, I would say no, the two yeah, best that's, wins yeah of the season. that's probably it, yeah. Yeah, so... Why not give a team that has proven that they could go and do things like that a chance in the tournament? I, I just I think that that win right there cancels out all the negative stuff that you see on BYU's resume. But that's that's just me because I value who you can beat over um, proving that you don't lose to bad teams. Like that's why I don't think Texas A and M should be in the tournament. Their two good wins this year are over. Um, are against LSU. They haven't beaten another team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. LSU is is I know that. You know, they just won at Arkansas, but they're they're still not necessarily a lot for the tournament. If they end up losing their first game in the SEC tournament, all these bubble teams below them, you know, make these miracle runs, they could be out on Selection Sunday. So what you're telling me is that Texas A&M has a chance to get into the tournament without beating, you know, a lock NCAA tournament team simply because the only the, the worst team that they lost to was Alabama. Like, is that what you want in, in, in the event for trying to determine who the best team is, who our champion is? a team that has done nothing but prove that they don't lose to bad teams. I just I, – I think that's silly. I want to know who you can beat. I want to see who you can beat. And I think that BYU has proven that they could literally beat anybody in the country. By going in and winning at Gonzaga, they've proven they can beat anybody in the country. So, you know, give them a chance. Value it. Take that win on, you know, how good it actually is. Yeah, I'm more interested – I guess – and this is my whole thing with the NCAA tournament. I'm mostly more interested in giving the benefit of the doubt – to schools from so-called, you know, inferior leagues, because often we're, we're just unsure about those teams. Just because they don't have quality wins doesn't mean they couldn't get quality wins. They just didn't have the opportunities to get them. You know, like, that, that's kind of the case for BYU. That's undeniably the case for Murray State. And so when you compare that to, and again, I'm not picking on these schools. I'm just pointing them out because they happen to be the last four in on Jerry Palm's bracketology right now. But, like, with Indiana, we know what they are. With Illinois, we know what they are. With Ole Miss and A&M, we know what they are. They've had plenty of opportunities and to either prove that they're great or prove that they're mediocre. And they have, you know, for the most part, proven to be mediocre. Um, just sort of forgetful, you know, basketball teams. Whereas with BYU, I still, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, what if BYU is awesome? You know, what if Murray State is awesome? And we just don't know it because they haven't been able to to get five top 50 wins in the past month. Whereas in the Big 12, you had basically two opportunities to get two top 50 wins, you know, every single week. You know, I'm more interested in giving the benefit of the doubt to the teams I'm unsure of rather than the teams that have, you know, consistently, week after week, shown that they're just okay. I, I think if you're a power conference school on the bubble – You've proven to be, with, with great opportunity, just okay. Whereas with Murray State, we don't know what they are. Like, Murray, like how about this? If Murray State were Villanova, and on December 1st they switched schedules, 
and uh, and Villanova had and Villanova had stumbled out of the blocks, but then they got to play the OVC schedule and they went out. They couldn't have done better than what Murray State did, so they they win the whole they win every game, and then they go to the OVC tournament and they lose in Nashville to Belmont in the final minute. You know what would like they'd have the same resume as as Murray State. But w- will we look at them the same, or will we go, hey, that team's – like, Villanova's quite clear. And my point is, from December 1 until the this past weekend, whether you're named Villanova or Murray State, if you put Murray State's schedule in front of them, you couldn't have done better except by one game. And so, I, 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 my, I, Murray State could, could theoretically be one of the top – like, really be. I don't know that they are, but they could really be one of the top 25 teams in the country and just have be, not have the resume to show it based off nothing more than they didn't have the schedule to show it. And so, I, I, I don't know, to wrap this back around to them, and then we'll wrap this up completely with, with that conversation. I, I just – I'm more interested in giving them the benefit of the doubt than I am Texas A&M. I think you and I are completely on the same page here. Um, what about Indiana? And, and if they don't – win a game, are they in? And even if they get in, is Tom Crean's job in, in trouble here? What, what do you make of the whole situation there? Well, I, I think Tom Crean's job is in trouble simply because I, I, I don't think people are happy there. And at some point, um, you, you just like if, if the fans, if you've lost the fan base, if the fan base doesn't like him, if the fan base wants him gone, then at, at, at some point you just kind of have to say, you know what, this, this is not getting better. Um, we might need to part ways. And that's not to say that he's done a bad job. I mean, if you think about where that program was when he took over, I mean, at, at one point they were starting Tom Pritchard at, at Power Forward, who's yeah. a guy that probably should not be starting in the Big Ten, especially at a place like Indiana. And so I, I just, you know, I, I think, I don't, I don't think he necessarily should be fired this year based on his performance. Because you also got to remember, you know, what they're missing at this point is really like any kind of low post presence. And Cody Zeller went pro after a sophomore year. Noah Vonley went pro after his freshman year. And Luke Fisher transferred out after a semester. If any of those guys end up staying in school and hanging around, then I think we're having a different conversation about how good Indiana is at this point. It's not like he didn't get three good big men. They all just, you know, two of them happened to be too good to stay for too long, and one of them decided to leave uh, after a semester. So I, I, I don't necessarily think that he deserves to be fired at this point, but I think that, you know, like I said, once you lose that fan base, once you stop filling up Assembly Hall, uh, I, I think it's almost time to part ways. As far as getting into the NCAA tournament, um, I, I think I like their profile a little bit more than some people do. I know they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. They had, what, like six games against RPI, 300-plus teams. But they also have five top 50 wins. They, they blew out Maryland, right? I think it was Maryland they blew out by, at home by, like, 20 when they hit 15 of one year or something like that from three. So they've proven they can beat people. Right. I know they've been in a rut, but like BYU, they're fun to watch. They're explosive offensively. I think that they could, they're one of these teams that could go out there and on the right night, they can pull an upset and they do need to win some games in the tournament. I'm, let me pull up the Big Ten bracket. Do you know who they get in the first round? I honestly do not even know. I mean, I, I'll find the Big Ten bracket, but I think that they need to get a win, maybe two, um, depending on who they play, just to, uh, to, to, Make sure that they get a bid, but I, I would not complain if I saw them in the tournament. I, I think that they've done enough to get there. so they get Northwestern in the first round tomorrow, right? Yeah, and if they beat Northwestern, they play Maryland. So if I, I think if they beat Northwestern, then I mean I I have them in personally, yeah, but I, maybe they need, need to beat Maryland too. I think they beat Northwestern. They're probably in. I think if I were Tom Crean, and for the exact reasons you you touched on, 
Like, would you try to get out of there? Forget getting fired. Would you try to get out? Like, let's say, theoretically, Georgia Tech opens. Would you try to, to get involved at Georgia Tech just to get parachute out of there? Like, when you, when you reach the point, and honestly, you know, me living in Memphis, this is a conversation I've had there uh, about Josh Pastner, you know, many times over the past couple of months. When you reach a point where the fans no longer believe in you, forget whether or not you're doing a good job. That doesn't even matter anymore. Like, um, when you reach a point where the fans fundamentally do not believe in you, it's, it's almost impossible to get it back. Like, how do you ever get people back on your side? And so, I, you know, without going to, you know, back-to-back Elite Eights or stringing Final Fours or something crazy, or not crazy, but uh, unlikely, incredibly unlikely like that. Like, when, when you reach the point where fans are chanting, reportedly chanting Tom Crean sucks at your kid's basketball game, like, once we've gotten to that point, it's only a matter of time. Then it's not a matter of, like, can you win them back over? It's just a matter of when, they, when can they get you? When can they reasonably get you? And so you're, you're forever on the hot seat. Like, I think this is true with Tom at Indiana. I also believe it's true with Josh at, at Memphis. They will forever be – like, Josh won't lose his job this year no matter what happens. But going forward, for every year Josh Pastor stays at Memphis, he's going to be on the hot seat with the fans. And he will always be one bad year from getting got. Same thing with Tom Crean now. And when you reach that point, what is the point? Like, if you can find a comparable opportunity or even a, 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 a clearly inferior opportunity but a good one somewhere else, like, I, I think you're probably, in just in the spirit of career longevity, probably wise to try to take advantage of it. It's not just a, career longevity, like, stress-wise. Peace of mind, yes. That, yeah, that can't be... I can't imagine what it would be like to know that my son at a high school basketball game is having people chant Tom Crane sucks at him. Right. Well, I mean, I guess for me it would be Rob Doster sucks, right. but you, know, you get my point. I, I just that that cannot be healthy for a guy. And and look, Tom Crane is a stressed out dude as it is. Like right. he's 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 wild tight, and I can't imagine that that is you know good for him physically. The one thing I will say though is. In, in, in a vacuum, I think you're right. I think it's good to get out of there. Um, I don't think personally that I would leave that buyout on the table. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's, <laughs> that's just me. You know, it's I, I can be stressed out while I'm looking at $12 million or I'm going to get fired. Like, right. Oh, but that's <laughs> the other thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, the money matters. And so clearly, like, if I were to call, it's like my – I have an old roommate who's a CPA. And I said, hey, I'm going to walk away from $12 million because, like, I'm stressed out. And no, 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 you're not. You're not walking away from $12 million. So I, I get it from that level, too. Like, clearly, if the counter argument to all this is just, yo, it's $12 million. If You know, let, let your life be miserable. But – I just wonder if you could get a $2 million a year job at another good program. Um, you know, God, I mean, I just, living like that is, it's a hard way to make $12 million. I'll put it that way. Like, it yeah. is a hard way to make $12 million. And you know as well as I do, once you get fired in that profession, there, there's very little um, chance of you recovering. Like, guys don't typically get a comparable job ever again. Mark Godfrey yeah, but did, think, think but, about but it most like don't. Like, if, if Tom Crane gets fired, let's say he gets fired next year and buyout is what, like $7 million or something like right. that? So if he throws that $7 million in his bank account or he gets that check of a million dollars a year over the next seven years or whatever, and he goes and gets like an analyst job on ESPN, and he, he's cashing those checks and he's working like four months out of the year. And so I, I, I don't think that, you know, it, that would necessarily – it might end his coaching career 
Right. But it's not like it's not the end of him being involved in basketball. It's no, not but, but being those... like a presence. And no, I get, and and I get your point. Like guys that are coaches at at that level are competitive as hell. They want to coach. Really, really difficult to go from being involved with the team every single day and running your program and doing all that to sitting at a desk and talking about the job that guys that you beat last season are doing. So it's I, I get that, but it's also it's not like. You know, if let's say if, if I get fired for for doing something dumb at NBC, it's a lot more difficult for me to find a way to continue making a living than it is for a guy like Tom Crean. So yeah, I, no, look, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I agree with point. all that. I, I I think for what from my perspective, I don't think it's a money thing that much. Like all these guys are going to be able to live. Like when you make twelve million, when you cash twelve million dollars, you you're you're going to live fine, and you can go do whatever you want. Like, but. Even the guys, even the former coaches who have, you know, prominent, uh, a prominent place on television, a big presence on television, they still want to coach. I mean, you you get you get a beer with any of them at a bar, they still want to coach. You know, like they 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 won't take a bad job or any job. Um, they've got life pretty good, but at their at the at their core, and I and I certainly believe this is the case for Tom. Like he's a, he's a basketball coach. He wants to coach. Like he could make a nice living making, you know, getting a buyout and then working for CBS or ESPN or whatever, but he wants to coach. And if your goal is to be a basketball coach, a relevant basketball coach, um, getting fired is a hard thing to overcome. Again, Mark Godfrey did it. You know, he went from Alabama fired, gets the NC state job. Bruce Pearl, but like that wasn't fired that's for losing. Yeah, that's a whole different deal. When you get fired for losing, it is a hard thing to recover from. And and so I've always believed the smart guys are the ones who try to avoid getting fired for losing. And and I don't mean just by winning. That's the obvious, easiest way. But like if if you've reached a point to where it's only going to get worse, uh, it's time to bounce. And so on one hand, you go, I've had this conversation with Ben Hallen. Is that the is that the Oliver Purnell? Oh, it's all like Oliver Purnell is the smartest guy in the world. Like he's got the whole coaching profession figured out. Um, Frank Haith is another guy. Like, okay, do you really leave Missouri for Tulsa? I don't know. Okay, but if you have one more bad year at Missouri, you're going to get fired. Let's go to Tulsa then. And he just finished what second in the, right. the American Conference. Yeah, people at Tulsa <laughs> like him, and then and then guess what? He'll do that for three or four years, and then he'll end up in the same hot seat he was on in Miami and at Missouri, and then guess what? He'll He'll try to bounce then, and and then he'll look up at some point, and he'll be you know sixty years old. And it's time to retire with millions and millions of dollars. Um, or the other side of that is, let's say that he you know ends up keeping Tulsa where they are. Maybe he gets another shot at the SEC job or an ACC job or something, and then you can cash out on that retirement and whatever contract that is. Yeah. Either way, my point has always been, with few exceptions, do you ever escape the hot seat? Like even when you think you do, you don't. Like how about that? Rick Barnes is a great example. He's on the hot seat. Oh wow, he finished his top twenty-five last year, preseason top ten team. Rick Barnes is cool. Forget about it. Now guess what? Here we are again. You know, here we are again. Like Rick Barnes back on the hot seat. Once you get on the hot seat, you don't get off. Not at your not at the same school. You don't win your way off the hot seat at your same school. You are once you're on it, you're you're always a year from getting fired. It's just like I, I had a conversation with Ben Hallen. A month before he got fired at UCLA, and you know what he said? I, and I hope I'm not like telling secrets here, but like whatever, it's it's all the truth. Here's what he said: How do you leave UCLA? Like even like even if they say okay, you're in trouble, how do you walk away from UCLA? I had to come back because like um, you know, this is my dream job, and it's UC, it's freaking UCLA, and I had a top ten recruiting class coming in, and now look, we're first place in the Pac-12. And so he, 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 he was started from the position of, I can't leave UCLA. 
even though I know I'm on the wrong side of the fans, even though I know I'm on the wrong side of my bosses, I'll figure this out. He won the Pac-12, still got fired. You talk to Ben Hallen right now, you know what he tell you? Dumbest thing I ever did was ignore reality, thinking I could win my way off the hot seat. Because yeah, I did. That's the other part. I think there's an ego aspect to that sure too. There is. Like every single one of these guys thinks that they're that one adjustment away from going on a run and, and, and winning the conference tournament and, and getting into the NCAA tournament. Or they're, you know, that one recruit that they're still talking to, that, that one top 50 kid that can come in and it's like, oh, he's the program changer. That's the missing piece right there. Get him and we're good to go. Get one transfer and we're good to go. I, I think that every single one of them believes, and to be a good coach, I think you have to, to, to have that kind of confidence and that ego and that belief in yourself. But I think every single one of them believes that they are just one adjustment away from being back to being good and, and having the fans on their side. No, no I, they do believe that. But here's my point. Even if you are really just one player away, and even if you are just like, hey, once, even if, you, even if it goes almost exactly as you plan, you still don't get off the hot seat. Ben's the perfect example. He came back. He, he had an opportunity to leave UCLA, um, decided to stay, Literally won the Pac-12, went to the NCAA tournament, still got fired. Um, even if, like, if you're Rick Barnes, you go, okay, we have a good year this year, then I get Miles Turner, then, then I win some more, then everything will be cool. My point is everything is never cool again. Once the fans turn on you, they'll, they'll get back on your side somewhat while you're winning, but you're always going to start losing again. Yeah, unless they're quick not- to jump off that bandwagon. Right, that's my thing. Like, unless you're Mark Few, Bo Ryan... Mike Krzyzewski, uh Tom Izzo. Izzo yeah, yeah uh, you're going to lose at some point. You, like John McCalipari was in the NIT two years ago. At some point, you're going to lose. And once, you've, once you're on the hot seat and then you recognize at some point I'm going to lose again, that's when you'll get fired. So it doesn't matter if you're winning in the moment. You're always one more. Once you're on the hot seat, you're one more bad year from getting fired. And that's just, to me, it's always, uh, I thought it, the, the coaches that can recognize that honestly um, are, are the ones that end up coaching as long as they want to coach rather than getting forced into television. Just be smart. Recognize, recognize the world you live in. Does it, forget about what's fair, what's right, what's wrong, because that's what co- coaches get in these conversations all the time. Well, the fans are crazy. It doesn't matter if they're crazy. They're real people. And, and in some cases, they're the boosters who are paying your job. So it doesn't pay your salary. So it doesn't matter if they're crazy. All that matters is, that, all that matters is this. Once, they get on, once you get on their wrong side, you can only temporarily remove yourself with winning seasons. But soon, the next bad season is when you get got. And so if, if be smart enough to recognize that and bounce. I, honest to God, just to wrap this up, if I were Tom Crean after this year, I would at least start looking for an escape route. And if I were Josh Pastner after this year, I would start looking for an escape route. Because even if you can keep your job, it, you're, you're up against the same exact thing next year forever. Tom at Indiana, Josh at Memphis. You always, forever, one more bad year from getting, uh, from getting uh, fired. And, and though they will get fired with an incredible amount of money, uh, that's just a, for guys who care as much as they care. Like some coaches can just block a lot of it out. Tom isn't one of those guys and Josh isn't one of those guys. And so if you're one of, those, if you're one of the coaches who are really tuned in and really like, passionate about what you're doing and, and aware of of, of, of how you're being talked about in your own community, um, it's, a, it's, an impo- I don't want, it's not impossible. It's a very difficult way to live, and uh, I don't think it's the smart. I don't, money aside, and I know you can't put money completely aside, but money aside, I don't think it's, uh, 
I don't think it's the best way to live. Let's wrap it up with this. Um, forget what the number one seeds would be today. I think we all agree what they'd be today. What do you think they're going to be on Selection Sunday? Um, how about this? I think that there's only going to be one ACC team on the one seed line. I think that either, whoever loses between Duke and Virginia in the ACC tournament gets dropped down to a two. Right. Because I don't see a way that – if Wisconsin – wins the Big Ten tournament, and Arizona wins the Pac-12 tournament, and Villanova wins the Big East tournament, we're talking about three teams right there that all have number one seed resumes, that won their conference outright by multiple games, and that won their conference tournament. And I don't think that you can leave two of those teams off of the one seed line for a Virginia team that we don't, who knows when they're ever going to get their, you know, their all-American guard back. And for a Duke team that lost at home by 16 to a team that lost by 28 to Eastern Kentucky. So that, that's just that's just my thing. I think that the, the cool thing about this year is I think there are probably, what, like six teams that deserve a number one seed. Like in a vacuum, sure. I think you look at there are six teams that where you could say, yeah, you know what, they're probably a number one seed. But, you know, it, it's that's not the way that it's going uh, to – there aren't six number one seeds to give out. So I think that's that'll be interesting to watch. And – I think I might be in the minority here, but I would love to see Wisconsin in the same region as Kentucky, simply because I want to see Kentucky get tested all the way to the national title. I want to see them play Wisconsin. I want to see them play Duke, and I want to see them play Virginia, and I want to see them play Arizona, because think about it like this. All right, if Kentucky, let's say that they end up winning the national title, they, they win the SEC tournament, they win the national title, they go 40-0, and but in the NCAA tournament, they don't beat anyone higher than, like, a three seed. I can already see the argument starting, like, yeah, they never got challenged by any of the top seven teams. Right. I think there's a, a, a very, very big difference between the top seven teams in the country right now and everybody else. I think there's a very clear cutoff at, what is it, Gonzaga in the polls now at number seven. Right. And then everybody else. Kentucky hasn't played one of those top seven teams. I want to see him play two, three as many of them as possible because I want to see them get tested because I don't want to hear the argument of, yeah, you know what, they were 40-0, but they didn't play anyone good this season because I can already see those happening. I can already see that conversation starting, and that that would just drive me insane, maybe force me to quit Twitter. And <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants me to quit Twitter. I'm no. Um, I, I, yeah, I, the whole keep Wisconsin and Kentucky separate thing, like I get it. Like, if I were a Wisconsin fan, I would prefer that, clearly. And I guess if I were a Kentucky fan, I would prefer that. But it didn't matter to me. Like, I just put the bracket together and let them go play. But, um, you know, I agree with you. There seems to be separation between there's – a, there's a clear line. I think there's about six, seven really good teams and then the drop-off. But almost regardless, like, if, even if you're the one wherever, you're going to end up with, you know, Gonzaga as your two, Wisconsin as your two, Arizona as your two – like you're gonna be up against it. Like in the regional final, you're gonna to have to play somebody. And so, um, I yeah, like yeah. no one. No one wants to play Virginia either. Nobody right. wants to play Duke. Nobody right. wants to play. Nobody wants to play Wisconsin. Like right. they're these are really good basketball yeah. teams. Just because that one happens to be Kentucky, you know, the, Villanova's twenty nine and two on the season. Really, what's the difference between twenty nine and two and thirty one and all? Right. right. Two bad nights. Right. Right. No, I'm 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 down. Like I, I think ultimately, and you and I are on the same page here. Uh, the ACC schools will figure it out. Like they'll 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 decide that in this tournament, and we won't have two from the ACC. So it'll be, assuming people take care of business, which is only an assumption. We'll see. But uh, Kentucky's a one, no matter what. Obviously, they'll they're number one overall. Obviously, they could forfeit their SEC tournament game and whatever. It wouldn't matter. So it's Kentucky. Um, I, I think it'll be Villanova, Wisconsin, and then either Duke or Virginia. I don't think it'll be both. And then and then and then fill out the bracket and let's go play it. Like I'm. 
this is a fun time of the year because we end up speculating a lot, and that's all that you know that makes for for fun chatter. But like, uh, I'm ready to go play it. I'm ready to go play the tournament. So uh, we'll be doing that, uh, I guess, literally this time next week. Um, it starts on Tuesday night, and of course, with the first four Wednesday, and then uh, the main bracket starts on uh, Thursday. All right. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest edition. So make sure to do that. And uh, either way, I will talk to you again uh, a little later on this week. Take care.